you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely got given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. G'day everybody, Pastor Luke here for the second edition of the West Weekly. And today we're continuing on in our series in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16 today, uh, looking at the passage that Andrew Grills preached on on Sunday. And I just want to offer a few extra supplementary thoughts to the excellent sermon that he gave us. Uh, but as we just jump into that, how about I pray? Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true and it's real and you have something to say to us. We thank you that you've chosen to say it to us. Please reveal your truth as we study it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to jump straight in, basically. Uh, last week, you might remember how God's plan of salvation through the crucifixion of Jesus divides people. In 2 verse 6, uh, 18, we read that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so Paul says in verse 22 of chapter 2 that the Jews demanded signs and the Greeks wisdom and that the message of the crucified cross was uh, Christ was a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. You see, the Gentiles or the Greek philosophers believe that God should be aloof and far off from humanity. And so the thought of God coming to earth, the incarnation, just sounded ridiculous to them. They didn't want a God like that. And then we saw how the Jews wanted signs. They wanted to see God's power. And so the idea that their Messiah would die on a cross and look cursed to everyone else just seemed so wrong to them. They just couldn't go with this at all. But Paul says that actually at the cross, we see the power of God and the wisdom of God in Christ. Even though the incarnation looked like folly, 
It was God's way of saving his world, his creation. And even though Christ's death looked like defeat, it was in fact a demonstration of God's power over sin and over death and over the grave. And so Paul concludes in chapter 2, verse 25, that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Essentially, he's saying that God's whole scheme of thought and doing things is different to the world's, that God's working on a whole different level, a whole other level to us. And so the cross is this kind of point of divergence, the moment where we see that difference between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom most clearly. God's wisdom goes one way, the world's goes another. And in today's passage, Paul is going to explore that even further. Now, Grizzly did a great job of explaining this in his sermon, so I'm just going to summarize it kind of briefly. In chapter 3, verse 6, Paul draws a distinction between the wisdom of this age and the secret and hidden wisdom of God. The wisdom of this age is temporary. It's doomed to pass away, he says in verse 6. But the wisdom of God is eternal. It's decreed before the ages, and it stretches out into glory beyond this world. Note, however, that it is secret and hidden. Now, this doesn't mean that it's obscure or it's indecipherable, like one of Coy's escape room clues, not like that. No, what it means is it must be revealed. That's what he says in verse 10. Uh, Liam Morris explains it like this. It does not signify a puzzle which man finds difficult to solve. It signifies a secret which man is wholly unable to penetrate, but it is a secret which God has now revealed. And so Paul concludes that there's kind of a division between the natural and the spiritual person. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person is someone whose worldview is purely natural. As Morris goes on to say, it's someone whose horizon is bounded by the things of this life. His equipment for understanding is only of this world, or as Grilsey put it, he doesn't have the key to open the lock. Uh, but those who are spiritual have this key. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to them, and so they're able to discern it. That's a brief overview. Now, I just want to suggest three ways that we can respond to this. First of all, it's pretty good. It's a lemon with tea and honey. The key here is to get the mix right. And it's, I think it's right. Mm, that's good. All right. So three ways that we can respond to the knowledge that God gives us. The first is to be humble. When Paul makes this distinction between worldly wisdom and divine wisdom, it would be easy, tempting for us to think we're kind of awesome. You know, we have this knowledge. Other people don't have it. I'm wise. They're foolish. Back in my 20s, I went to a church called St. Jude's. It's an Anglican church in Carlton. And after the service, we'd head down the street, my mate and I, uh, walk down Ligon Street, past all the restaurants and all the cafes. It was a Sunday night, and so the place was humming. Uh, there was lots of people out. The pizzas were flying all over the place. And uh, there was this real sense, I felt, of people showing off. Everyone was loud and showy, you know, dressed up with the latest fashion or showing off their favorite car. On Grand, Grand Prix weekend, you'd see this whole line of top-of-the-range Ferraris just there. And honestly, I kind of found it a little bit pathetic. You see, 
I could tell that these people were just trying to prove themselves. And uh, by the wisdom of the world, it kind of looked like they had. They looked rich. They looked powerful, important. They looked beautiful. But I kind of could see that it wasn't worth it. Like, who really cares about your Ferrari? I mean, you could get a house deposit with what you spent on that car. Now, perhaps it's a little bit too practical to think like that. But that's how I thought. And and I kind of, I feel sad for someone who has to live all of their life trying to look beautiful, uh, maybe even changing their appearance to make sure that that happens and spending lots of money to do that. But it's all going to fade away. Beauty is only skin deep. There's there's a, a craziness about this. Or as Jesus put it, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? It's the worldly wisdom Seems like folly to me. And, of course, I was right in that. But, my gosh, how good did it feel to be right? How pleased with myself was I? I like the fact, ultimately, that that I was right and that others were wrong. And that's the danger here, too. We can have this kind of spiritual understanding and look down on other people who might not have it. But I want you to see how Paul puts this here. See where, see where the knowledge comes from. Is it from our innate genius or our hard work or our great efforts discerning these things? No, no, no. It's revealed to us by God. Verse 10 is revealed by the Spirit. It's only given to us because God is chosen to do so. And God often does this to the most unlikely of people. That's how God works. Uh, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, of course, in our quiet time during the week. And I love Luke 10, verse 21, where Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. You see, the, the secret of God, the knowledge that God offers, could be understood by a child, but be missed by a great philosopher. But that's the thing. God gives it to those who are humble, who are willing to seek it. You can't buy this knowledge. You can't demand it, but you can ask for it. And anyone who does ask for it will receive it. But here's the thing. Only the humble will ask. And that's the thing. There's no room for boasting. We come to this knowledge through humility. And so we need to stay humble, to not be proud to not be boastful, but to recognize God's grace. And just as a little side point here, this is a word too for, for anyone who's listening today who might want this knowledge of God and not yet have it. Uh, maybe you're listening and you're searching for truth, but you're not yet ready to believe it. You, you're not yet convinced of it. You don't feel like you know enough to, to truly trust this. Look, I know where you've been. I've been in that position myself. I remember wanting to understand Christianity, wanting to understand the gospel, but not quite getting it. It took ages. It took lots of time. But then eventually God opened my eyes and I could see. Now, now why didn't he just reveal it straight away? Why did he make me wait? Well, I think it's because he wanted me to be humble and to really seek it. Because if we seek, if we knock, he will answer. If we ask, we will receive. If you're willing to be humble, then God will reveal the truth to you eventually. As one writer puts it, all knowledge is given by God and is the result of the seeking spirit of man meeting the revealing spirit of God. 
So we need to come to God in humility and to stay humble because here's the second thing. We need to respond to God's truth by being curious. And this is a photo of Trinity College Library in Dublin. Uh, this library is home to 7 million printed works and manuscripts, including the very famous Book of Kells from the 8th century. It's very impressive, but it's far from the biggest library in the world. The New York Public Library has some 55 million items. The British Library in London has three times that. And that's incredible, isn't it? And it's kind of overwhelming. You see, even the most, most voracious of readers might only be able to read 2,500 books over their lifetime. That means that they're missing out on millions of books. I mean, this is FOMO for nerds. Uh, and it's only getting worse. There was this guy called Buckminster Fuller, amazing name, an amazing bloke. He was a systems theorist who tried to track the accumulation of human knowledge. And he figured out that until 1900, our knowledge doubled approximately every century, that as a species, humans learnt more, knew more, and this increased our knowledge. So, for instance, we would learn how to uh, develop something that we, we would become the internet, and then that created this whole other extra elements of knowledge that have increased human knowledge, uh, uh, the aggregate of human knowledge. And in the 20th century, he noticed that things were really speeding up. Uh, that by the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. By 1982, just before his death, he said it was doubling every 13 months. And now, according to IBM, it doubles every 12 hours. That's insane. That's incredible. It's overwhelming and it's kind of frustrating. You see, I can never have all of that knowledge. I can never read all the books in the world. In fact, I probably won't even read all the books on my own library just here. There's just not enough time. But here's the thing. Even if we did have enough time and we could read all of those books, the knowledge that we gained wouldn't last. See, it's doomed to pass away, says Paul. Now, don't misunderstand this. Paul's not saying that this knowledge is not useful. But he is saying that it is temporary, that it's transient, that it will eventually lose its value and its relevance. <coughs> Excuse me. The knowledge of God, however, is different. It's always relevant because God is always relevant. God is eternal and it's not limited. It's infinite because he is infinite. But the best thing is you'll never run out of time to study because God will give you the opportunity to learn him forever. That's what God is kind of hinting at here in verse 9. Paul says, it's written that what no eye has seen or ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I think he's talking about heaven here. He's talking about eternal life where we get to study God forever. Amazing. God has so much to show us. And the amazing thing is that he's given us the perfect tour guide. In verse 10, God reveals these things through the Spirit. And so the Spirit leads us into the truth of God. And just see what he says about the Spirit in verse 11. Who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Uh, he's using a kind of human analogy. 
Done. There's lots of things that you can learn about a person. You can see that are obvious, and then there's some things that only they know, and they have to reveal them to you. Uh, that's, they only know these things deep in their spirit. And it kind of is the same with God. There's stuff that we can see about God, but then there's other things that only he knows, and he must reveal those things. He must choose to reveal them to, to us. And wonderfully, God has chosen to do that through the Spirit. Verse 12, we've received the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We have this sense here that the Spirit knows everything about God because He is God. Verse 10, the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. It's not that the Spirit has to find these things. It says that He has access to all things. The Spirit has access to the full, the fullness of God, the full library of God, and He chooses to reveal that to us. Not everything, perhaps, but throughout eternity, we get to see more and more of the infinity of God. We get to know God more and more. Here's this wonderful thing. The Spirit is God, and so the Spirit knows God inside out. And now this Spirit is inside us. To get to the inside of God, God brings His Spirit inside us. God wants us to know Him. God wants to reveal Himself to to us. He wants us to explore Him. So be curious. That's why we read the Bible. The Bible is God's word, and in it we discover who God is. He reveals himself to us. And so the more we read it, the more we discover the mind of Christ. And so remember that. Uh, Look, I know most of us probably try to read the Bible. We're probably pretty regular in how we do that. But I also know from my own experience that it can kind of be done in a bit of a blasé way. We just kind of go through the motions But how about we really read it with intent, with purpose, with the desire to learn about God? Why don't we read it with great curiosity, trying to discover him in a new and special way? Maybe every time we read the Bible, we can pray the prayer of 2 Timothy 3. I love how Paul describes the scriptures as breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And maybe when we come to the Bible, we can approach it in this way. We can say, Lord, Lord, just teach me your truth. Reprove my sin. Correct my wrong thinking, my wrong living. And then train me in righteousness and equip me for your good works. So get into it. Let's really get into the Bible. And look, maybe you've even got a little bit of time uh, to do something more than that. I know for lots of us, Lockdown is just insane. It's just this constant cycle of homeschooling the kids, doing our own work. So you might not have time. That's fine. Don't stress. Maybe just try to read a psalm a day. You'll be amazed at the difference that makes. But if you do have a little bit of time, maybe you could use it in some creative ways. Uh, Ridley College, which is a Bible college in Melbourne, is currently offering the Bible Overview course. It's free. It's online. You can just jump on that, do it at your own speed, your own pace. Enjoy it. It's fantastic, I'm sure. Uh, or maybe you're totally sick of screens and so you just want to read something physical. Here's a few books you could try. Uh, you could try Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Classic. Just a fantastic book. Concise Theology by uh, J.I. Packer. Great little book. It just gives you a real good overview of uh, learning about God. Or this classic, I I love this book, Prayer by Timothy Keller. Uh, Just really a fantastic read. It really gets you inspired about prayer. 
Uh, but maybe there's another one that you could suggest or you'd like to find out. Uh, I've got a library of books. I'd be very happy to lend one or give one to you. Basically, think of it as a theological care pack. Now, but really what I'm saying is let's be curious. Uh, we've got an infinite God who wants to reveal himself to us, wants us to learn more about him. So let's get in there. Let's be curious. And then finally, the third response is to, uh, to be a teacher to share the knowledge that God has given us. Now, one approach when we have this knowledge is to hold it for ourselves and to pride ourselves on our own knowledge. But the other approach is, like Paul, to share it with others. He speaks multiple times how he wants to impart the wisdom of God. And in verse 13 he says, We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. He's been taught by the Spirit, and now, through the Spirit, he wants to teach others. And I think this moment is a particularly good one for us to do this. I was reading some stats from Google News the other day, and it suggests that there's some uh, been something like 2.1 billion mentions of coronavirus in the media. Uh, already, COVID-19 must be one of the most talked about and written about events in human history and it's still happening as we speak. And yet almost none of this stuff is helpful. Uh, every day we just get fed this furious cycle of news, data on the rates of infection, of death, of recovery. Uh, it's all accompanied by constant analysis and pontificating. And it's really easy for us to kind of get drawn into the vortex of this. We rise with the news of some possible cure or an earlier than expected vaccine. And then we fall by the end of the ad break because we hear about the second wave of infections or we hear about the possibility that the virus is going to spread to children or something like this. And in the midst of all this clamor, all this noise, the words of God have this wonderful, pristine clarity and purity and power. To everywhere else, I hear these frantic voices of fear or outrage. But in the Bible, I hear the words of my creator, the one whose hands encompass the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountain, as it says in Psalm 95. Everywhere else, I just get all this fevered speculation and wild predictions. But when I listen to God, I get the eternal perspective of the one who is, who was, and who is to come. The sovereign Lord who declares the end from the beginning, whose counsel shall stand and whose purpose shall be accomplished, as it says in Isaiah 46. These are the words that I need to hear, that we need to hear. And these are the words that we need to proclaim, to share with other people. The wisdom of God that he wants us to impart. That's what we're trying to do as a church. We're trying to proclaim the message of Jesus to the world around us. We're, we're trying to make sense of these things that are happening through the wisdom that God has given us. And I encourage all of us to try and do this with the people around us. When you're chatting to your neighbor across the fence, try to give the perspective of God. When you bump into an old friend on the walking path, look for a way to show them how the Bible and praying is getting you through this whole crazy time. Now, not everyone will listen. Now, that's one of Paul's points here. Some people just won't, but some people will. You see, God reveals truth through his spirit. And he uses us often to declare that truth. And so we can be a part of doing his work. 
the wisdom that he has chosen to give us, we can impart to others and teach them, and then he can work through that. What an awesome thing to be a part of. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that you've revealed truth, that there is a great story here in the gospel. We thank you, most of all, that you've enabled us to receive this and to see the wisdom and the power of it, and then to believe. Lord, keep us humble. Pray for those who are humbly seeking you now that you might reveal your truth to them. Help us to be curious. Help us to seek more and more of the knowledge of you, the infinite God. And then help us to be people who teach and impart this to others. Please work through our efforts for your glory and for the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless City on a Hill West. Have an awesome week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.